Uh, and last week we had our Easter experience here at church. Our youth did an incredible job. But I gotta be transparent. Anytime a youth kids almost crucified the church, pastor struggles. Okay, it just makes it hard to recover. Uh, William last week and, and, and almost passing out because he locked his knees. You know, so I love Sunday. I mean, yeah, it was a great Sunday, but I still just had a little bit of down in my life. You know, pastors, it's our Super Bowl of church, and, and we don't expect that to be the result of our Super Bowl. Anyway, that's besides the point. Uh, actually, part of the point. So Monday morning I came in, and there was this pile of paper up front, and at the end of service, uh, we just asked the church body, those who were here, to write down the Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus means to them. And, you know, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor long enough. I'm expecting like 50% participation and we're going to rejoice. There were 82, 83 uh, papers up here out of about 120 that were here that had done that, took the time to write down what Jesus and the resurrection meant to them. And I sat down Monday morning, a little bit down, because of what happened Sunday morning, <laughs> And I was so encouraged as I read all the notes. I was so encouraged as I saw what, what the body of Christ, what we said, this experience of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we said what this experience of, of who Jesus is means to us. But I felt like I had to share that. So this morning, I'm going to be sharing that at the end of my sermon. But there's a why I'm going to share it, but I want to share it before I get there. So I'm going to pray as God continues to anoint us, God. We thank you that we're here this morning. We thank you for your presence and your anointing. And we ask for nothing but your best in this place. We pray for our hearts and our minds, for our spirits, to be yielded to you. And you can say what we need to hear. And you can accomplish what you need to accomplish in us and through us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at this verse. It's a verse in Philippians chapter 3 that says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Those pieces of paper, to me, were symbolic of knowing Christ and knowing the power of of his resurrection. So so we had last Sunday, we had the celebration, we told the story here of the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the question that I said to myself is, what's next? Like we've got the crucifixion and resurrection. And what do we have to do now? I'm going to look at some verses in just a minute. And, and I'm a parent. And so I'll say that sometimes parenting, we feel like we've got very simple commands for our children. But seem to be rather complex when they hear them. So if we say go to your room, there's some kind of processing that struggles in their heads. Levi's not here, so I'll tell the And this morning, Pastor yelled at his son. Because our kids have decided that they don't need the table to eat. Which is fine, except for the floor and the crumbs that go everywhere above the table. So Levi, I was taking the kitchen keys at the table, I'm like, sit down and eat your toast. And he stood there. Sit down. This is a complicated instruction. So I said it again. He moved from standing here to walking around the table, but still stood as he ate his food. 
So excuse me for a second, I'm going to be carnal. I said, are you stupid or what? <laughs> Sit down. Sometimes the simplest of instructions can be real complicated for children. And as I was in worship, I said, I wonder if that's why God calls me a child of God. I know. <laughs> because sometimes the simplest of instructions are the hardest for us to understand. Look at what happened after the resurrection. Some women come to the tent. This is in Matthew chapter 28. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go and tell his disciples. There's simple instruction right there. Go and tell. When we look at several verses from this resurrection, there's like four different accounts, or three different accounts, we'll look at where we see these same instructions to go and tell. He says, then go and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going to go ahead to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women heard him waiting with him. They were told by the angel. They were afraid yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. They clasped his feet. They worshipped him. Then he said to them, do not be afraid. Do what? Go and tell my brothers, to go to Galilee, where they will see me. Later on, in chapter and verse 16, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. But when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, all came. Then Jesus came to them and said, All glory on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, that's telling, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of this age. Acts chapter 1. This is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. After his suffering, he presented himself to them, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my Father has promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but a few days you baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now to get to the ends of the earth, we have to go. I want to talk about some simple instructions. Today, it's not a very complicated sermon. It's one that is going to come back to what we wrote last week. But what do we do with the resurrection? We can have great plays and we can almost crucify kids. But what's the point of it all if we, if we just let it linger? After the resurrection, the consistent instruction that came was to go, to tell, to witness. Right? So I want to talk about going, I want to talk about telling, and I want to talk about being a witness today. So the first thing he says is go. But what does going mean? I think 
going is being intentional. Like we can linger, we can wait, or we can go. If we go somewhere, guess what? We're being intentional. Some of us want to get to Colorado Springs. But we can't go because the roads are closed. We have the intention of going, but we can't get there because of what's happening around us. Going to me is a very uh, a descriptive word, a very intentional instruction about you. You have to be decided in what you're going to do. The women, they could have blinked them, they could have looked around too, they could have taken pictures, they could have like Instagrammed it, took selfies, like on the two, like he's not here, whatever else. I mean, they could have done all these things in that moment, but what did the angels say then? Go! The first thing that we have to do is go. That was profound to me. Because in my mind, sometimes we don't go because where we are is comfortable. Huh? Sometimes we don't go because it's a lot easier to be with people who, who see things the same way that I see things. There's a story about these women in John. This is John. I'm not working, so you can get there. John chapter 20. I'll try yet. Verse 17. You got it. It says, Jesus said to them, Do not hold on to me, for I have not ascended to the Father. <coughs> can you picture this? Like, this is a moment where Jesus is appearing to these women. And they, they come to his feet and they're clasping him, is what it said in the book of Matthew. Jesus looks at them and says, Hey, don't hold on to me. Why? Because there's something you need to go. And you can't get there if you're holding on to what's comfortable. And you can't get there if you're holding on to what's familiar. You can't get to the ends of the earth if you don't leave Proverbs. You know what I'm saying? You can't get to Crawford and Rasta if you don't go to Mountain Henry, Kentucky. Verse 17, it says, Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples, and with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. I'm telling you, there is a parental victory in these verses. Parents, when you say sit down, and you don't have to call your kid stupid. That's a victory. When you say clean your room, and you walk in and the room is clean, that's a victory. Jesus told Mary to what? Let me go. And go. In the next verse it says, she went. There's something profound in these words. We experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then his instruction to us is go. We get to celebrate it on a Sunday morning. We get to tell the story of what the resurrection is. We get to tell the story of what all was accomplished. But then we must go. Mary went. Why? I'm not working again, Mary. There we go. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is in Romans. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they've not heard? 
And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? This is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have to go. Why? So that they can hear. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. They have to hear what? They have to hear the good news. How do we expect them to hear if we don't go? How do we expect them to understand or know if we're not willing? And this says preach. He's not talking about Pastor Steve preaching on the street corner. He's talking about us being a representative of the good news of Jesus Christ and telling them about the resurrection, telling them about the goodness of God. How can they hear? If we don't go. Because we have to go. Isaiah 52 7 is not up here. It says, How beautiful on the mountainside the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Your feet are beautiful when you go. They may not be comfortable. You may have to let go of those things that, that make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. We can't just... The story of my wife, when she was... I think we were dating at this time. She liked to hang around the church. But she wasn't hanging around the church because she wanted to be around me. And I asked her, why do you want to be at the church? Like, what, what's the deal? She said, I just like it here. Right? She just wanted to be in the sanctuary. She just, she just liked it there. It was what was comfortable. It was what felt good. It was where she had good experiences. It was where she had some comfort and assurance. What good is the sanctuary if we don't go? What good is the resurrection if we don't leave the tomb? Because I'll tell you what, what happens in Scripture with the resurrection, they're not happy about the resurrection. The readers are. So guess what they do? They plot to tell lies that, that the disciples came in the middle of the night to steal Jesus from a tomb so that people wouldn't believe the story that was about to be told. They tried to get ahead of the story and told lies about the story. How are they going to know the difference if we don't leave the tomb to tell them? We tell. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in the heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. First Peter chapter 3 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to who? Who asks you the reason for the hope that you have? See, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth might should speak. So hopefully, in your conversations, the abundance of your heart is the reality of the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when you're talking to someone, hopefully that's what's coming from within you. I'm not saying you're constantly saying, Jesus is alive, but from you is coming the hope of the resurrection. Guess what happens? Then people ask, why do you have hope? We need to be ready to 
to speak. Oh, Pastor, I remember, I remember growing up, the Seventh day Scott Church in Northern Kentucky, and we used to do door to door evangelism. You want to talk about making a high school kid cry? We're going to go knock on doors and talk about Jesus. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to give an answer for anything, except for how I can get out of this conversation. Oh, you're busy, thank you. You wait like three seconds and they don't come to the door. Oh, they must not be home. Good man brings good things. I don't want to decide that. It's like, go, and I'm away from everyone who understands my hope. Scripture says that we're a peculiar people. We're like aliens in this world. You would hope that people, when they saw a peculiar person, would ask why you're so different. Why, when you're going through the midst of trials, do you still pray? Why are you still smiling right now? Casey Soyster. This is my story on Casey Soyster. I'm telling stories on people today. I was a young kid and we were looking for a church to pastor. I was transitioning from youth ministry. We got this message about a church at Crawford, Nebraska. We're at my brother-in-law's house. He was a youth pastor in Florida. And they put us up in the parsonage or this apartment they had over the fellowship hall of the church. That's what we were staying. And we were supposed to have a, a meeting, now I'm a young guy, I've never done this before, with a board of a church in Crawford, Nebraska. Casey's one of the former, and I, this is my first impression of Casey's sister. The man just laughed. Then asked the question and Casey's laughing, and I couldn't figure out why he was laughing. They didn't even talk, and, and I didn't know what it was. And I knew the other one like, what is wrong with that guy? Is he just awkwardly laughing? But what I learned was there's joy. We'll tell a story. There's a guy I knew, I won't use his name, Casey, who bought earrings one year. And the word crashed. And we're at the cell bar now, your pastor said, well, I want to be a faithful pastor, pray for God to bless him. Ah. And Casey lost a lot of money when he sold his cats. And you know what Casey was doing? He was laughing. He was laughing. He was laughing. And when someone's laughing because they lose a lot of money, that's a peculiar situation. <laughs> and someone might say, how can you laugh when this is this moment? We've got to be ready to tell them why. Because we bring victory through our words. They triumph over him. That's the enemy. That's the devil. By the blood of the Lamb and the what? The word of their testimony. They didn't, they didn't love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They won because they shared what? Their story. Acts chapter 1. It said we're to go and be witnesses. Guess what? The best witnesses are the ones who experienced it. When we're trying to figure out what happened, 
We don't talk to so and so at the at the hair shop. We talk to so and so at the coffee shop. We talk to so and so who happened to know the great uncle's cousin was at the accident when it happened. Amen. Good. Who do we talk to? We talk to the one who experienced it. What I love about the resurrection story, Jesus, they're experiencing the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He spends 40 days, what? In Acts chapter 1, it said, he, he talked to them, he gave them what? Convincing proofs of his resurrection. Thomas got to put his hands in, in, or his fingers in the hands of Jesus Christ. Because they experienced the resurrected Jesus Christ, they were then to tell what? What they had experienced. Your testimony is powerful. Just because your story doesn't look like my story. Just because I used to think that, like when I got called to ministry, all the really good pastors had these really big backstories. Like they were, uh, they were in jail and they had killed somebody and they were addicted to drugs and they were drug dealers. And, I mean, all of a sudden, I'm like, how are you going to use me? I don't have that story. I grew up in a home. My mom and dad took me to church all the time. I went to church every time I could. I got saved. I got transformed. I got called to ministry. Like my testimony isn't powerful and effective. It is because kids don't have to go on the narrow or the go crazy in order to be used by God. Like so often we're, we're, we're convincing ourselves of why our story isn't powerful and effective. I want to tell you the most profound thing is your testimony. I said in the next Bible study, we talked about testimony. You know, if someone can argue with you about the Word of God, but it's real hard to argue with you about what you've experienced. Yeah. Huh? Someone can say, yeah, I don't know if that's true, but you say, here's what happened to me. I cried out to God, and He answered me. I was in a moment where I didn't know truth, and I felt the love of God surround me. I knew I was condemned. I knew there was something in me that was wrong. I knew the sin was eating away at me. But I looked at the cross. I, re- I recognized what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And suddenly, the fullness of forgiveness was opened up to me that I'm not what I was, that I am who He made me to become. I tell you, your your testimony is powerful. So we go and we tell what? Our experiences with God. God makes it pretty simple for us after the resurrection. He's alive. I got some quotes. I I, I want to read it because I actually took time to put them in my notes. Share your story with someone. You'll never know how one sentence of your life story could inspire someone to rewrite their own. Your story might be the key that could unlock someone else's prison. God is able to take the mess of our past and turn it into a message, take the trials and tests and turn it into a testimony. And D.L. Moody said this, When a man is filled with the Word of God, he cannot keep him still. If a man has got the word of God, he must speak or die. You know, last week I heard you get into that video, speed up. We ended our service with what does Jesus and what does the resurrection hold on one second mean to you? You can leave it right there, it's fine. 
And I ask Peter this week to take those messages and put them to some music because we do have a story to tell. This is our story. This is what our body has said Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, means to us. These are in your handwriting. Okay? We took names off of them so people don't know what you wrote, so we're going to sit. You might struggle to keep up with them, that's okay. The whole point of this is to hear what our story is. You can start hearing. That's our story. That's rich. The instructions are pretty tough. We have to open our mouth. I watch that, I know which ones my kids wrote. And when I see the grandma's camera, I get to go to heaven. I see Jesus. When I see a, a body that can come together in the midst of all that was on Sunday, that we can know that He is life, that we can know that He is love, that we can know that He is King, that we can know that death is defeated, that we can know that, that our sins are forgiven. I speak Jesus. How can we do anything but go and tell? How can we do anything but be effective witnesses of the good news of Jesus Christ? There are people who don't Let the hope that's within you pour from 
God, I thank you for this place. I thank you for this room. I thank you for these words. I pray that we would be compelled by the love of Christ. That we would be helpful for ambassadors in this world. That our words, God, would be powerful and effective. That our, our actions would be intentional and delivered as we go where you call us to go. As we say what you've done for us and through us. God, I thank you for these words. I thank you for this opportunity. Continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name. The altars are open if you have a prayer request. I'll say this now too. The Lord bless you and keep you. May make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And then you simply go and tell your experience. Amen.